Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Nā mihi and welcome to this podcast from Our Changing World on RNZ. I'm Alison Balance, and one of the pleasures of our summer science series is the chance to play some brand new podcasts made by science communication students at the University of Otago. Each year, the students make a podcast about a controversial topic. Ruby Parker made hers in response to the passing early last year of the Abortion Legislation Act. It is not an easy topic to tackle, but after 44 years, it is well past time for this bill to pass. It is time that our law was changed so that it isn't outdated and incredibly paternalistic. The abortion legislation bill passed its third reading in Parliament on the 28th of March, meaning the act of procuring an abortion will now be removed from the Crimes Act. This legislation had not been updated since 1961. Abortion is an incredibly emotive debate, and it is a long-standing controversial topic. At times, it can be very difficult to discuss. However, I believe it's important to talk about the topic of abortion. I want to know how this new legislation will affect me and other women living in New Zealand. And also, I want to educate myself on the history of abortion in New Zealand. I reached out to Emma Harcourt, a science communicator researching misinformation about abortion. Pseudoscience and medicine tends to revolve around things that people have emotional views about because well, I don't know any pseudoscience about spleens, for example. I talked to Emma about the history of abortion in New Zealand. People have had abortions for all of recorded history because the conditions under which people need abortions have always existed and they're probably always going to exist. So yeah, the history of abortion before legalisation is that it happened it happened more frequently than you would have thought. And whether it was safe or not depended on what sort of socioeconomic situation you had. The Macmillan Inquiry of the 1930s found that about one in five pregnancies in New Zealand ended in abortion. And contraception wasn't even legal in 1937. It, it's not nice to know that until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had legislation on the books that said that procuring an abortion should be punishable by up to 14 years in prison. Talking to Emma, I was eager to find out about the previous legislation that had been in New Zealand for 41 years. We had some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the world. First off, we have the Crimes Act of 1961, which was basically a copy-pasted version of the legislation in Britain. And it said that procuring an abortion was punishable by up to 14 years in prison. In 1977, we had the Contraception, Sterilisation and Abortion Act, which introduced certain exemptions under which people could have abortions. Under the previous legislation, 
if you were within the first 70 days of pregnancies, you had to see two certifying consultants to approve that you warranted an abortion. And then you would have to make an appointment to see a doctor to basically hand you a pill and watch you swallow it. Depending on where you lived in New Zealand, that could be up to a thousand kilometre round trip. In audio from Parliament, we hear from Abortion Legislation Committee member Amy Adams. The current law is incredibly flawed and I have found it difficult to listen to those who have stood in this house and claim that there's no problem with the framework as there is. I would respectfully suggest to those people that they should get out and talk to and hear from some of the women that we heard from in the committee, not just the women, their families, their doctors, their counsellors, who told us time and time again about how difficult and traumatic and needlessly heartless this process was. In light of Adam's comments on the hardship associated with procuring an abortion in New Zealand, I talked to Emma about the stigma associated with having an abortion. There is a lot of shame and guilt and stigma attached with reproductive health care topics. Between a quarter and a third of people who are able to be pregnant will have an abortion at some point in their life. Speaking with Emma, she was very passionate about her thoughts around the decriminalisation of abortion. This is a medical issue and it should be legislated as a medical issue rather than a criminal issue. People who have abortions should be empowered to make their own medical decisions. Everyone has reasons which are compelling to them. During our conversation, Emma and I also discussed unsafe abortions. It probably comes as no surprise that the majority of unsafe abortions happen in countries where there is poor access to contraception and just poor access to medical care in general. Is there any misinformation being circulated around abortion? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's what my my thesis centres around. There is a lot of misinformation that is sort of held in the collective consciousness of the public. Surveys of what people believe about abortion very frequently show that people believe that abortion, even a first trimester abortion, is many times more dangerous than childbirth, which is not correct. Um, the belief that it causes infertility is quite common also not correct. The belief that abortion causes depression or a condition called post-abortion syndrome is growing in popularity. There's no evidence that people who have abortions suffer from worse mental health than people who don't have abortions. The initial part of Emma's research has centred around misinformation about abortion in the United States. The really upsetting thing about this misinformation is that in the United States, at least, uh, the government is contributing to this. I think it's 29 states offer some kind of mandatory counselling, either a script that has to be delivered to the patients or a state-authored booklet that contains information that isn't necessarily correct, both about pregnancy and abortion, but also about fetal development. For example, there was a study that reviewed the information about embryonic and fetal development in these state-authored booklets and found that the rate of inaccurate information ranged from 15% to nearly 50% of all statements contained in those booklets. So within a booklet produced by a state, anywhere between one in five statements and half 
were inaccurate or misleading. This conversation made me think, has there been any misinformation like this in New Zealand? There have been some controversies in the past in New Zealand about Ministry of Health authored booklets about abortion. There was a, a booklet that was produced, I think it was in the 90s or early 2000s, that it was distributed to family planning clinics all around the country and they sent them back. This is misinformation and emotionally manipulative. Emma Harcourt is currently a PhD candidate researching misinformation about abortion. My research is based on trying to identify who is at most risk for that misinformation, where are they getting it from, and more importantly, how as science communicators can we help? How can we make the situation a little bit less dingy and a little bit more enlightened? I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Emma. She was incredibly knowledgeable on all things regarding female reproductive health. The Abortion Legislation Act came into force on the 24th of March 2020. Now, women all around New Zealand should feel empowered to be able to make informed decisions regarding medical procedures. I'm Ruby Parker. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Ruby. That was science communication student Ruby Parker from the University of Otago. I'm Alison Balance, and this was a summer science podcast from Our Changing World on RNZ. You can listen again or find out more at our website, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Thanks for your company. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.